If you have enough money, you can buy a lot of things in life. The one thing you can't buy is eternal life. That is only bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm glad tonight that I'm saved. I'm glad he paid the price for me. I appreciate Brother Wally giving me the opportunity to speak. I'm glad to be at church tonight. I enjoy Wednesday night church. I feel like it's a good reset for the week. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I need church on Wednesday night. It's good to come in the middle of the week and let God's Word wash a little bit of the world off. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be speaking to just men. I don't think I've ever done that before. Uh, I'm excited about that. If you'd open up to Jonah 1, uh, I'm excited to give this message tonight. I'm just excited to be here, guys. Uh, It was a bit of a process to get here. It's not that I didn't want to speak out of Jonah. I've had this message on my mind for a while, but it's not what I originally had planned. I had planned to speak on our words being men of our words, our yea being yea, our nay being nay, swearing to our own hurt and changing not, Uh, but that's not what God had planned for tonight. Uh, Being only men, I wanted to speak on fornication and illicit websites, Uh, not what God had. I wanted to speak on our responsibility as men to commit the doctrines of the Bible to faithful men who will teach others also. Sometimes you just want to rip. but that's not what's uh, for tonight. Uh, God, God let me to speak out of Jonah, uh, so that's what, that's what we're going to get. Uh, so we're in Jonah 1, starting in verse 1. We're going to work through the full chapter tonight. Uh, but starting in verse 1, the Bible says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof, and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. What we find tonight uh, in in Jonah, in the book of Jonah, in the man of Jonah, we have a man, we have his misbehavior toward God, and we have his methods to get back on the right track. We're going to look at those three things tonight and see how that applies to us. Uh, Number one, who was Jonah? Uh, he was a prophet of God. I know it's Wednesday night. I know Jonah's one of the uh, children's Sunday school stories. We hear it all the time. Uh, but we're going to introduce Jonah. If all we knew about Jonah was from this book, there wouldn't be a lot to say about him that paints him in anything but a negative light. Right? This is not a good time in Jonah's life. Uh, I would say all of us have times in our lives that we don't want told. Uh, I know I do. Um, I would tell you about him, but I don't want to. But we understand Jonah, and it's just a snapshot of his life. It's not the full story. It just happens to be told at a time when uh, he didn't trust the Lord. A time that his faith wasn't in the Lord like it should have been. Uh, Jonah would have been more than what is told in the four chapters of this book. Uh, God chose to show this period of Jonah's life in the Bible He chose to divinely tell us of this time in Jonah's life, uh, preserved forever in God's word, because there's lessons for us uh, that he wanted everyone forever to learn from this story. I won't profess to know everything that God wants us to learn from Jonah's life or why he picked only this story to put in the Bible, but I know it's not for us to look at Jonah and criticize him. Say, man, I wouldn't do that. Look at that guy. I, I know it's not for that. Uh, If you would flip over uh, very quickly to 2 Kings, verse 14. 
Who's Jonah? We're going to start in verse 23. The Bible says, In the fifteenth year of Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, began to reign in Samaria, and reigned forty and one years. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, and he departed not from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel a sin. He restored the coast of Israel from entering of Hamath under the sea of the plain, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spake by the hand of his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet, which was of Gathifer. This is Jonah. Uh, what does the Bible call him here? Uh, he calls him his servant. But God himself describes Jonah as his own servant. What we see from this is despite what first comes to mind about Jonah, uh, he wasn't just a backslidden preacher. He was a servant of the Lord. He's a prophet of God. Uh, here we have a prophecy fulfilled that Jonah spoke. Jonah was serving the Lord. In the book of Jonah, you know, he didn't do it the whole time. Uh, but Jonah was serving the Lord. The Bible calls him God's servant. Like when the Bible calls David a man after God's own heart, the same gravity comes with this. Jonah being God's servant, God means it, right? He wasn't doing it just to fluff Jonah's resume. Uh, he, he meant it. Jonah was a servant of the Lord. If you turn back to Jonah 1, we're not going to turn there for time, uh, but in Matthew 12, Jesus is answering some Pharisees. They're asking for a sign, and he says the sign they have would be Jonah. Specifically, the Bible calls him Jonas, the Greek way of spelling Jonah, and Jesus describes the story of Jonah uh, being in the belly of the whale for three days. There's only so many guys that's happened to, right? Uh, only so many people have been eaten by a whale, even fewer spend three days in his belly before being puked out, so it's not a different Jonah, right? It's this guy. Uh, and Jesus answering the Pharisees' question, he calls him a prophet. He calls Jonah a prophet. It doesn't point uh, to any of the other, uh, we might say, good prophets. He points to Jonah, and he calls him a prophet. It's not what you would expect from a guy uh, who's famous for disobeying God, uh, but Jesus calls Jonah a prophet. He doesn't call him a backslider. He doesn't call him a failure. He doesn't call him disobedient. He calls him a prophet. He was a guy who was charged with receiving messages from the Lord and taking them to God's people. Right? Jonah was a servant of the Lord. He's included in an elite group of men specifically called of God as prophets. It's a big deal. Right? Jonah was no joke. Right? Most people in history are not prophets of God. Uh, Jonah was. He was recognized by God in the Old Testament. He was recognized by Jesus in the New Testament. The Bible characterizes him as a prophet and a servant of the Lord. Uh, we're still in Jonah 1. Well, you guys are. I'm not. Uh, we've established the man. We have a servant of the Lord. We know he's a prophet called of God. Now let's talk about his misbehavior. Again, we pick up in verse 1. The Bible says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. For their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof, went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. God gives Jonah a task to carry out. Jonah doesn't want to do it. Right? This is, this is the, one of the famous things about Jonah. Probably the second most famous thing about Jonah. Being eaten by a fish is probably number one. But Jonah gets a task from God. He doesn't want to do it. 
His job is to go to the city of Nineveh and cry against it because their wickedness had come up before God. Uh, Nineveh is not a friendly place. Uh, it was in modern-day Iraq. They weren't friendly back then either. And God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh and deliver a message from Jehovah God. They already had their own God. They already had uh, the Assyrian gods that they worshipped. They lived in their sin. They had their religion. They weren't interested in the God of the Bible. They weren't interested in the God of the nation of Israel. But God was interested in them. And he wanted Jonah to warn them about the coming judgment that would be exacted as a result of their sin. Right? God sent a man to the enemies of God to tell them that God wanted them. I think that's cool. Right? Jonah's, Jonah's a foreign missionary. Right? Prophets, typically, they're called to God's people. They serve the nation of Israel. And God calls Jonah to be a foreign missionary. It's new. Uh, can I understand... Uh, can I say I understand the reluctance to go? Uh, again, they're not a friendly people. I'm sure I'm not the only one who has had something before that I knew God wanted me to do it and I chickened out. Or I didn't want to do it. I'm not saying it was right, but I understand Jonah here. To whatever degree his faith wasn't properly placed in God, it's easy to look back on Jonah and say, man, why didn't you just serve the Lord? Why didn't you do what he told you to do? When we don't do the same thing, or we do the same thing in not doing what God told us to do. It's easy to sit back after everything's established in the Bible and look down on Jonah. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't run from God. We do the same thing. Jonah took things a step further than fear or simple disobedience. He could have stayed put. Uh, he, he still would have been out of God's will, but he could have just stayed put. He could have done nothing. And I would say that's what a lot of us do. God tells us to do something. We know something the Lord would want us to do. Uh, whether he's put it on our heart, whether we read it in the Bible, we hear it from behind the pulpit, and we just stay put. We don't run from God, but we don't run to him. How often do we do that? But Jonah, he chose to actively fight against God. He wanted to get as far from God's will as he possibly could. He rose up to flee from the presence of the Lord. We see that in verse 3. Uh, at the end of verse 3, it says he went down into it, into the ship, to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Uh, Jonah tries to run from God's presence. And we know that's silly. How silly is it to run from an omnipresent God? God's everywhere at all times, and Jonah still tried to run. Again, we do the same thing. We might not run physically, but we think God doesn't see us when we go to wherever we sin. I don't know where that is. Typically, I don't have to look for a place to sin. It comes pretty naturally to me. But how silly is it to run from God? God was in Israel. He was in Nineveh. He was in Tarshish, too. Jonah wanted to run. He wasn't bothered by it, either. Now he went to Joppa, we're going to pick up verse 4. Uh, he goes to Joppa, he gets on the ship, but the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid, and cried every man unto his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship to the sea, to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. Jonah was okay 
with where he was. He tried to run from God's presence. He gets into the ship. He goes down. He goes, he goes to sleep. Right, Erica and I, we like to go on cruises. And uh, think of that what you want, but we have a good time. No one can contact us, and it's great. Uh, but we, a few times, have uh, spent some nights on the ship where the sea's been a little rocky, and we didn't sleep that well. They got coat hangers knocking around. People are too loud in the hallway. They ruined my vacation. Not really. But we, we've been on uh, a much bigger ship when the waves have been a little rocky. We haven't been in a storm on the sea that was sent from God. And Jonah slept through it. He finds himself so at peace with what he's doing that he sleeps during the storm that terrifies the mariners. Understand what a mariner is. It's someone who works on the sea all the time. These guys had seen storms before. Uh, They've probably lost men to storms before. These guys were terrified. Jonah's sleeping. They went to Jonah. They had to wake him up. And he was so dedicated to trying to run from God and so at peace with himself, he was sleeping through God's judgment. He didn't even know the judgment was going on. We're going to pick up in verse 9. And he said unto them, they wake Jonah up, they say, hey man, what's going on? He says unto them, I am an Hebrew, I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid, and they said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he told them. They said unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. Jonah was so open about his rebellion towards God, that he even told the men on the ship why he was getting on the ship. The Bible says in verse 10, The men were exceedingly afraid. They said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he told them. So he goes to Joppa, he finds this ship, he said, hey, where are you guys going? Tarshish? Cool, I'm going to hop on, I'm trying to run from God. For whatever reason, they thought that was fine. I don't roll down the window when people, like, wave at me on the street. There was one time, uh, we were, I think we were on visitation, and we were up uh, the knob area, and this lady started walking up to my car, and I just shook my head, locked the door. I wasn't having a conversation with her. I don't think I would let someone into my car that said, hey, I'm trying to run from God. Can I come with you? These guys were fine with it. But they know that the judgment here, they know the storm is Jonah's fault. These pagan men, they understood that they were up against the God of the Bible and they feared him. And they asked Jonah what to do. He said, what should we do with you? Right, verse 11, it says, They said unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. They know that the circumstances they're facing is because of Jonah. They knew he was running from the Lord, and then when this trouble comes, they know that that trouble is because of Jonah. So far we have the man, we have the man of God, no less. We have his misbehavior. We know he actively sought to get away from God. He knew God's will and he didn't want to do it. He didn't care about the consequences. He didn't care about the judgment. We see the judgment that was brought about. The storm came, the ship's in peril, the men on it are in peril. They threw their wares off. That means all the stuff they were going to take to Tarshish and sell, they threw it overboard. It wasn't worth their life. And third, let's take a look 
at Jonah's method of correction. We pick up in verse 12, and he said unto them, Jonah speaking to the mariners, he said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you, for I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Therefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah, and they cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. The men feared the Lord exceedingly, and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord, and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the whale, I'm sorry, belly of the fish, three days and three nights. Jonah takes a pretty drastic step to correct the situation here. He tells the men on the ship to throw him overboard, and even they thought that was weird. Right, they just asked, what should we do to you so that the sea calms down? We know it's your fault. We know you're running from God. We don't want to be a part of this. What do we do to you to fix this? Throw me overboard. That's, that's a bit extreme. Right, in verse 13, nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to land. They heard Jonah's solution. They thought he was nuts. They're like, let's, let's try to bring this ship in ourselves. We're not going to just throw some dude overboard. This guy's already crazy. We're not going to toss them into the sea. Uh, but it doesn't work. Right? They didn't take his advice. They didn't want to throw him overboard. They first tried to row hard. And Jonah's suggestion was so radical, they weren't going to follow through with it. They thought the solution to the problem didn't make sense, and they first tried to navigate the storm themselves. After all, they knew what they were doing. They were seasoned mariners. They've been afraid of storms before. And they've come out of storms before. They thought they had the solution to this. Their knowledge and expertise couldn't help them avoid the judgment that God brought Jonah's way. They decided to listen to him. They throw him overboard. The sea ceased from her raging. Jonah knew it was all his fault. He knew he was running from God. And he knew it was because of him that the storm came upon them all. He recognized that. He acknowledged that. And he responded to it. This starts Jonah on the way back to the right track. We know the rest of the story, and we're not going to go through it uh, all tonight. But Jonah's swallowed by the, the great fish, by the whale, in verse th uh, 17. He spends three days and three nights in the belly of the whale. He repents, and the whale vomits him up on dry land. He goes to Nineveh. He preaches against their wickedness. The entire city responds and turns to God. They were so serious, they even made their animals wear sackcloth, and they made their animals fast. Right? They were so serious about getting right with the Lord, they wouldn't feed their dog. Right, he, needs to, he needs to repent here. Right, they weren't going to feed their cattle. They didn't do anything but get right with the Lord. And if you know the end of the story, you know Jonah still ended bitter that God didn't destroy the city. Uh, he gets reprimanded by the Lord and the book ends. And while he didn't have the right attitude at the end of his story, his response to God's chastisement is what got him back to Nineveh. So it got him back on the right track, back to the Lord's will for his life. It even led to the mariner's conversion. Right, verse 16, the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. They'd turned to the Lord at this point. They called out to their pagan gods and they didn't answer. And they saw the power of the, the God of the Bible 
And they said, I want that guy. Right? They understood, they understood the, the danger and the peril of running from the Lord. They didn't want to be a part of that. And that turns them to the Lord. They make sacrifices, they take vows for the Lord. Uh, this is where the Mariner's story ends, and this is one of those things in the Bible that I find funny. Uh, most of the time, what I find funny, no one else finds funny. But I find this funny. They meet this guy. He says he's running from God. They're like, yeah, we get it. They put him in the ship. Major storm comes. They learn it's this guy's fault. They throw him overboard. They watch him get eaten by a whale. And then they just go to Tarshish. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they turned around and went back to Joppa. But they see a storm end when they throw a guy overboard. He gets eaten by a giant fish. They turn to the Lord and they're like, now what? Keep going. You know they didn't keep that story to themselves. Right? They, they would have shared that with people. Probably no one would have believed them. How weird is that? You threw a guy overboard and the storm stopped? I think it's funny. I, I laugh out loud every time I read it. I laughed while I prepared the message. I laughed while I reviewed it. I just think it's funny. Uh, but we see the man, we see a prophet, a man of God, we see his misbehavior, we see him trying to run from the Lord's will in his life, uh, trying to run from the presence of the Lord, no less. We see judgment come, and we see his method of correction. Jonah literally jumped ship. Uh, but what does that mean for us? We've got four things and we're done. And number one, it can happen to any of us. Jonah was God's man. He was a prophet. We studied him out. Jonah was a servant of the Lord. The Spirit of God calls Jonah a servant of the Lord. Jesus Christ calls him a prophet, points to Jonah's time in the whale as a picture of Jesus' own purpose. Jonah was a faithful man. His community would have known him as that. He prophesied. He took the message of the Lord to the Jewish people. Jonah would have been an all-star. Right, the community would have known Jonah. God called him to be a foreign missionary to take God's word to a wicked nation. God wouldn't have called a loser to do that. He didn't call Jonah because of his lack of faith, his lack of character. Jonah would have been a Wednesday night church guy. But this is a story we know about Jonah. If Jonah can fall, so can we. God's not calling many to a task like Jonah's. Uh, we're, none of us are probably going to get eaten by a fish. If I'm wrong, my bad. Uh, that's probably not what's going to happen in your life. Right? We see Jonah's story. We understand God has something for us to learn. He's not calling us to a task like Jonah's, and how often do we fail at much smaller things? How often do we know something that God wants from us and simply refuse to do it? Wednesday night, most, if not all, of the men in this room would be described as faithful men. But that doesn't protect us or prevent us from falling to sin. Many a faithful Christian has run from the Lord. We're not immune. Let Jonah be a warning to us. Number one, it can happen to any of us. Number two, disobeying God comes with a price. Jonah paid for his sin both literally and figuratively. Verse 3 tells us that Jonah's, uh, Jonah began his journey down and away from God by going to Joppa, paying the fare to get on the ship, and going down into the ship. There's a lot of thought that went into this. 
Jonah could have turned around at any time. But he gets to Joppa. He continues looking for a ship to Tarshish. He finds one. He asks them how much it costs. He pays them. And he goes down into the ship, willingly running from the Lord. Right? Jonah paid a, a literal cost to disobey God. He bought a ticket away from the Lord. And we do the same thing. We might not spend money on it. But when we willingly disobey God, we assess, whether we're aware of it or not, we assess the cost of obedience and the cost of disobedience. And we choose disobedience. What else about the cost of sin? Sin doesn't, our cost, excuse me, the cost of our sin doesn't affect just us. We seldom pay the cost of our sin alone. I'm not talking uh, the eternal cost of, of eternity in hell. I'm talking the, the cost of sin in our lives today doesn't affect just us. The judgment in Jonah's life affected the mariners too. It brought down those around him. Men, the sin in your life brings those around you down. You might not be aware of it. You might be aware of it and you don't care. But our sin brings those around us down. Our bad attitude, it affects our coworkers and our boss. Your carelessness about the things of the Lord hurts your kids. Your internet history hurts your wife. Say she doesn't know. Maybe not. But you do. And it's hurting your marriage. And you know it. Disobedience comes at a cost. Sometimes physical, always spiritual. And very often it costs those around us too. Number three, if we're in sin, a radical change must occur. Right? Jonah took a pretty drastic measure to get right with the Lord. He had guys tie him up and throw him off a ship in the middle of a storm that was unlike any other storm these men had seen. He jumped off the ship in the middle of a storm. He was in sin. At the time, Jonah was on his way farther and farther from God's will in the middle of a storm brought for him, caused by his disobedience, and he jumps off the ship. It's the only way. Let me say, some of us tonight may need to get off the ship. Some here tonight may know that you aren't pleasing God in some way. Some may not care. Some of us may be on the ship of sin and we're heading to whatever our Tarshish is. And we need to get off that ship. You need to repent. You need to get as far from that sin as you can. And you need to get back to God. What does that radical change look like? I don't know. Maybe you need to change what you watch on TV. Change how you talk. Who you spend your time with. Change what you do with your phone. Honestly, change when you have your phone. Change how you treat your wife, your kids, your parents. And you need to do it cold turkey. They didn't lower Jonah in a lifeboat. They threw that guy off the ship. He hit that water hard. They didn't let him down gently. They didn't ease him in to repentance. He needed a radical change. Lastly tonight, number four, God will still use someone. 
Jonah had it rough. He ran from God. He bragged about it. He was at peace about it. He repented. He was thrown off a ship. He was eaten by a whale. He got puked up by the whale. And God still used him to turn a wicked city to the Lord. Tonight, if you've been away from the Lord, you can repent and turn to him. And he can still use you. There isn't a Christian alive that God still can't use. Tonight, I don't know where this message finds you, but I do know, no matter how faithful, none of us are immune to sin. And that sin has a cost. Maybe you don't find yourself in what we might call major sin, but if you let the Lord search your heart, there's probably something that you could change. There's probably something that you can give to Him. Preparing this message, there were things that in my life that the Lord brought to mind. Things I need to change. Things I need to get off the ship of. Maybe you aren't even saved. And the radical change that you need in your life is to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. And if that's you, please do it. It'll be the best thing you ever do. I don't know where this message finds you tonight. I do hope God spoke to your heart this evening. And whatever he may have spoken to you about, I would encourage you to respond to it. Brother Waller.